Thank you for taking time to listen to this sermon from Hope Church Toronto North. It is our prayer that through this message, you are challenged and encouraged by the Word of God and grow in your love for God and love for others. It is God's desire for us to be members of and regularly participate in a local church under the care of qualified elders. If you are not attending a local church right now, we encourage you to take that step. If you do live in the North York area and are looking for a local church, we invite you to visit us at one of our Sunday morning gatherings to discern if this is the church God is leading you to. You can turn to Luke uh, 22. We're going to go from verses 1 to 46. And it'd be nice if, as I'm preaching, you would uh, pray for me. My whole family is sick. <laughs> so, and uh, the boys started puking last night at 1 o'clock till 5 in the morning. So I got like zero energy right now. But um, it would just be nice if you would uh, yeah, just pray for them and pray for me as I go. But we are in Luke uh, 22. And I started with uh, a quote from Peter last week. So I'm going to start with another one this week. And uh, 1 Peter 1, verse 8, it says, Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you have not seen him, I've never seen Jesus, I'm going to see Jesus, but I love Jesus, and you love Jesus. So what Peter says is true. We love him because we love watching him work. You know, Shay was asking me the other day, he's like, what's it like to be back in Luke? And I was like, honestly, it's like a little bit easier than Nehemiah because it's just nice to be around Jesus. Like he does everything. You're like, I just got to stand back and show you. We love watching him work. We love learning from him the way he teaches and we love learning about him. And God has brought me here today to tell you some more things about Jesus, to, to increase your appreciation for Jesus if it's not as high as it should be, to take you to a place where you're willing to praise and give glory to Jesus because he is do all that and increase and deepen your love for Jesus. So I want to tell you a couple things. Here's the first reason why we love Jesus is because Jesus is there for us. We love Jesus because Jesus is there for us. So Luke 22 verse 31, it says, Simon, Simon, and he says his name twice because he's trying to tell him, what I'm about to tell you is very serious. Simon, Simon, behold, and when you see behold in scripture, it's the Bible saying to you, pay attention, what's coming next matters. Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail, and when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. What Jesus tells Peter is he's like, hey, Satan wanted to go at you. Satan wanted to come at you. But you need to notice, though, that it says that he demanded. So Satan wants to go at Peter. He wants to go at you, but he's got to ask permission. And what you're being told right away is who's in control. Satan is not in control. Jesus is in control. God is in control. He's got to ask before he can touch you or come near you. And then you might be saying, okay, why would God allow him to do that? Why would God let Satan do that? Why would he allow him to come at us? Well, it's to silence your accuser. Job 1 verse 6 to 11 says, now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord 
And Satan also, also came among them. The Lord said to Satan, from where have you come? Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro on the earth and from walking up and down on it. And the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? that there's no one like him on the earth, blameless and an upright man who fears God and turns away from evil. So God's like, have you thought about Job? He's a man of real faith. Then Satan answered the Lord and said, does Job fear God for no reason? Have you not put a hedge around him and his house and all that he has on every side? So he's like, doesn't he only have faith because you've been like good to him? It's not a real thing. It's just because his life's been easy. You have blessed the work of his hands and his possessions and increased the land. And watch this. But stretch out your hand and touch all that he has, and he will curse you to your face. What he's saying here is, you sometimes look like you have real faith, but Satan's like, it's fake. The faith that, it, that he's professing isn't a real one. And so God says, you think that the faith that I have, I have gifted to these people is fake, but I'm going to show you that it's very real. And have you read the end of Job? He, all that he goes through, and what does he come out on the other end? Stronger. And the accusations are actually silenced, that when Job goes through the fire, when he goes through the trial, he actually comes out and you see that the, the faith is actually very real and very deep and even stronger than it, what it was before. And what you see is that Satan is actually a liar, an accuser. And so God's like, no, the faith is real. 31, he says, Satan demanded to sift you like wheat. The way you sift wheat is you actually shake it. You shake it. And so what Satan wants is he wants to like shake Peter like a martini. And he wants to see kind of what pours out of his life. But I want you to notice that even though he's coming at him, Peter is not going to experience this all by himself. Did you catch it? He wants to sift you like wheat. Verse 32. But I have prayed that your faith may not fail. Satan tries to destroy the faith of believers, but he cannot destroy our faith because we have a friend on high who is with us fighting for us through prayer. J.C. Ryle said, the continued existence of grace in a believer's heart is a great standing miracle. His enemies are so mighty and his strength is so small The world is so full of snares and his heart is so weak that it seems at first sight impossible for him to reach heaven. The passage before us explains his safety. He has a mighty friend at the right hand of God. Jesus is there for you, making sure that your faith does not fail. Jesus is our friend on high. And in the, in the battle, in the trials, in the tests, all those things that come, and if one hasn't come, one's coming real soon. He's making sure you get home, that our faith does not fail. Here's the second reason why we love Jesus. He's honest with us. We love Jesus because, he, see, people lie to you, right? They tell you what they think you want to hear. Jesus is the kind of savior who tells you what you need to hear. He is honest with us. And here's the thing. He tells us we will fail sometimes. Did you catch it? Did you hear what I said? 
Jesus tells us we will fail sometimes. Verse 33, Peter said to him, Lord, I'm ready to go with you to prison and to death. And Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow this day until you deny me three times that you know me. Peter's like, I'm never going to fail you. I'm always going to stand by your side. I'm, 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 you know, and it's when you read in the, the gospels, the other ones say it too, but he's, I'm always going to be there. I'm always going to be at your right hand. If there's, a, if there's a, a disciple you can depend on, it's this guy. And Jesus is like, nope. Now just imagine Peter hearing that, huh? He's like, I'm declaring my loyalty. I'm declaring my commitment. I'm declaring that I'm the, I'm the best of the bunch. And he's like, no. Right? Like, we're in that situation, we'd probably be like, well, you know, have you thought about, we try to like sort of massage it. How can I let this person down easy? Jesus is like, no. We got to, we got to actually, like, I love standing here and telling you, read the Bible. Just put yourself in the situation. Peter's like, what? He's like, no. You are going to deny that you even know me. That's what Jesus says to him. That you even, that we've even hung out. And look over at verse 54. It says, then they seized him and led him away, bringing him into the high, high priest's house. This is, they've, they've arrested Jesus now. And Peter was following at a distance. And when they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat down among them. Then a servant girl seeing him as he sat in the light and looking closely at him said, this man was with him. Watch. But he denied and saying, woman, I don't know him. And a, little, and a little, uh, little later, someone else saw him and said, you're also one of them. It, they're coming at him now, right? But Peter said, man, I am not. He's like, he's like, you're on the team. He's like, no, I'm not. And after an interval of about an hour, another insisted saying, certainly this man was with him for, two, for he too is a Galilean. But Peter said, man, I do not know what you're talking about. He's like, I, he's like, I have no idea where this is all coming from. And immediately while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed and the Lord turned and looked at him. Could you imagine what that look felt like? The Lord turned and looked at him. And Peter remembered the saying of the Lord, how he had said before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. He cried because he knew he failed. He knows he's failed. And here's the thing. What I'm trying to tell you is what Peter did, we can all do. All we got to do is being in the right pressure moment. Right? Sometimes you look at Peter, you're like, oh, come, Peter, come on. I say it all the time. We're way too hard on Peter. I think Peter represents more of us than we want to really admit. That's why he's, I like him. I'm like, I'm like that guy. The, the thing I love about Peter is when he falls on his face, you know where he goes? He runs to the Savior, though. Peter is one of the, of the disciples. I mean, now we don't get all their stories, but he's like the, one of the best repenters I've ever seen. I'll never do that. Oh, I did it. I'm sorry. Forgive me. What he did, we can all do. And that's why Jesus says to us, we are to be prayerful instead of prideful. What you've got to understand here is that Peter's just being, he's just, in his, he's just prideful. But Jesus says, we need to be people 
of prayer. Look at verse 39. He says, And he came out and went, as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives. And the disciples followed him. And when he came to the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not enter into temptation. Verse 45, And he arose from prayer, and he came to the disciples and found them sleeping for sorrow. And he said to them, Why are you sleeping? Rise and pray that you may not enter into temptation. And it's interesting, right? Like every time we... I, I think this is true of a lot of people. When you see temptation in the Bible, do you know what comes to your mind? Sex. Sexual temptation. And we act like that's the only temptation in the world. And what Jesus is talking about here is the temptation to deny him. That is a valid and real temptation that sometimes we don't want to talk about and we always want to be stuck on what the person may be staring at yesterday. We, want you, we will need to preach a, a well-rounded piece on what temptation is. A real temptation is to deny Jesus when you're, you're in your friend group, when you're at work, wherever it is, when you're out in the culture and they're doing the mocking thing. Can anybody believe that? Would anybody really think that there is a savior of the world who is coming back and you just sit and we're just, we're just kind of quiet? And Jesus says to pray that in those moments you will not give in. And here's the thing. In the Greek, this command is in the present imperative. I just put on, I put on my smart hat. <laughs> it's in the present imperative. And what it means is Jesus is commanding ongoing prayer, not one-time prayer. That this is, a, this is a regular habit that we do. We pray that we would not give in to the temptation to deny Jesus. Prayer. You got to think about this. Preemptive prayer prepares us for victory when temptation invades. Do I need to say it again? Okay. Preemptive prayer prepares us for victory when temptation invades. You, when you fall on your, you are setting yourself up for success because temptation is coming. Peter, he did fail. But I want you to know he didn't fail forever. He failed, but he didn't fail forever. Verse 32 is where I'm getting this. He says, Jesus says, when you have turned, that, that, that word there, when you have turned, turned, right? Repenting, coming back. That's what it means, doing a one, turning around. Jesus says, when you have turned, Peter, when you have, you have repented and come back, he says, strengthen your brothers. My mom used to play this all the time in our house, this song by Donnie McClurk, and he says, we fall down, but we get back up. Why? For a saint is just a sinner who fell down and got up. I keep telling you to get some gospel music in your life. I'm not lying. Peter got up. Because Jesus prayed for him. You get up because Jesus prays for you. We will fail, but the failure will not be forever. And did you notice that when, when that Jesus gave him an assignment? Did you catch it? If you caught it, somebody say it. What do you say? Say it loud. Come on. Say it together. Say it together. He gave him an assignment. He says, when you get up. Don't just, don't feel sorry for yourself. Aren't you in that spot sometimes? Ooh, I fell on my face. Oh, I'm, I'm terrible. I'm a worm. 
while Jesus is like, I, you're not yet glorified. I know there's going to be moments of that. I love you. Get up. Walk in your gospel reality. Take the forgiveness that I've offered you for these moments and go forward. He doesn't say, Peter, you know what? When you, when you fall, go in a corner and be a suck. He says, get up and help the other people who need it. Strengthen your brothers. He says, when Jesus gets us back up, here's what we got to take from this. When Jesus gets us back on our feet, he wants us to minister to others. He wants you to minister to the person who's standing strong. Some people are standing strong. And do you know what you do from your failure? You tell them of all the ways they shouldn't go the way you may have gone. You be willing to share your story. You be willing to say, here's, here's how sin really feels. So you are standing strong. Praise God for that. Keep depending on the spirit. Keep walking in the spirit and do not, and do not go down that road and pray for them. He also wants you to help the person who has fallen down. To go over to, right? Sometimes people fall down in church and what do we do? Mm-hmm. I saw that coming. And then somebody gets up and says, we are to bear each other's burdens. And we're like, amen. And you're like, are you doing it? The person who has fallen down, you go over and you say to them, yes, you have fallen, but there's a compassionate savior. There's a friend on high who loves you. And he says that if you turn, if you ask for forgiveness, that there's all kinds of mercy that's going to flow towards you. You're in a community for a reason. Yes, Jesus is praying us home, but he's put us together to help us get home. And so when somebody falls down, we go, we go look after them rather than standing apart and wondering, mm, I wonder what happened there. How about we just go over and say, you know what, I, I, don't, I don't fully understand it, but I know what you need right now is love, compassion, care, and prayer, and friendship, and fellowship. I'm here for that. Help the person who has fallen. Here's this next thing. Just because you've fallen now doesn't mean there will not be future victories. Oh, I'm giving you good stuff here. (laughs) Just because you have, and all you got to do is look at Peter's life. A failure in the present does not mean there will not be future victories. Go to Acts chapter 2. Is Peter denying Jesus? Oh no, Peter is preaching his face off and all kinds of people are coming to Jesus Christ. Victory. You go to Acts chapter 4, which is really just Luke part 2, and Peter's like, oh, you want me to stop talking about Jesus? Oh, I can't do that. Because I've got to be, I'm, I'm committed to obeying God, not man. And they're threatening them, and they're saying, here's all that's going to come to you, Peter and John. And they're like, say what you want, but we are going out tomorrow to spread the gospel. Because that is what God has called us to. That is what I'm supposed to be doing. Yes, I failed back there, but now I am walking empowered by the Spirit, and I am walking in the victory that Jesus says I can have when I depend on the Spirit of God. Just because you've fallen on your face now. Maybe you're going to fall on your face tomorrow. Maybe you're going to fall on your face in a week. But that does not mean that that is going to be the legacy that you leave and I don't, that, I honestly, I don't think that's touching your heart the way it should. Because sometimes when we've fallen down, we're like, this is all I'm going to do. This is all that's ever going to happen to me. This is, uh, this is the circle I'm going to go back around and around. And it's not true. It does not have to be true. 
if you, when you fall down, I said this to my ball team the other week. I said, there's nothing, that losing, there's nothing wrong with losing. What happens though, when you lose, is what you do in it. If you lose, you can gain from it if you choose. What are the lessons that I should learn here? Don't be afraid. I said to the boys, don't be afraid of losing. Be afraid of not learning what you should learn when you lose. And sometimes we fail and we miss the lesson. And sometimes that lesson is when, when you dig into it, when you turn it over, is what is getting you for victory later, getting you ready for victory later. When you fail, it does not mean there will not. Peter learned. Well, I told you, I tell you, he's good, right? He learned. So can we. Failure today does not mean there will not be victory tomorrow. Jesus is honest with us. He tells us there'll be hostility towards us. He tells us there'll be hostility towards us. In verse 35, he says, when he said to them, when I sent you out with no money bag or knapsack or sandals, uh, did you lack anything? And they said, nothing. The first time Jesus sent them out, it was all good. And he said to them, but now let the one who has uh, a money bag take it and let the one, uh, uh, like, and likewise a knapsack. And let the one who has no sword sell his cloak and buy one. For I tell you that the scriptures must be fulfilled in me, and he was numbered with the transgressors. For it is written about me, for what is written about me has its fulfillment. And they said, look, Lord, here are two swords. And he said to them, it is enough. The disciples are now going to have to do ministry in a hostile culture. And it's the death of Jesus that sets it off in verse 37. He says, for I tell you that the scriptures must be fulfilled in me. I was numbered. He was numbered with the transgressors. And what he's referencing is Isaiah 53. 53 verse 12 says, therefore, I will divide a portion with the many and he shall divide the spoil with the strong because he poured out his soul to death and he was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he bore the sins of many and makes, there it is again, Jesus is praying for you, and makes intercession for the transgressors. The death of Jesus is going to make things real hard now. Isaiah says Jesus on the cross, he predicts, will be rejected. And the same rejection that Jesus got is what you can expect. <laughs> Again, sometimes we're like, if I could just, you know, maneuver and do my thing in the culture, then, you know, they'll like me as a Christian. Maybe for a minute. The rejection that he experienced is the one we should expect. In verse 32, that's why he says, let the one who has no sword sell his cloak and buy one. And the disciples misunderstand this. Because what Jesus is doing, he's, he's using figurative language to help them see how serious it's going to be. He's like, it's going to be intense. But they're like, <laughs> Jesus, we got a couple swords in the back. <laughs> um, yeah. I like these brothers. They're so real, right? We fake the funk sometimes. Because aren't we like this? Jesus is like, there's going to be hostility. They're like, we're ready to fight. <laughs> Thomas, get the swords. Oh, yeah, okay, Peter, I got it. They're ready to fight. And so, isn't that how we are sometimes? When somebody is hostile towards us, aren't we ready to go on the offensive? We think, oh, we got to meet hostility with hostility. But what does Jesus say? He goes, he says, it is enough. 
it literally, he's like, stop talking like that. Because we are not to meet hostility with hostility. We are to pray for the hostile heart. Context again. He's like, pray, brothers, pray. I'm telling you, prayer is the best weapon against the hostile heart. Do you know that? Well, maybe I'll argue with them. I'll convince them. No, just pray them right there. Pray them to where you want them to get to. We devalue the power of prayer in the heart of a person who are like, I, I think they'll never turn. I think the hostility will never stop. Well, are, are you fasting and praying for them? Let's add that to it. Fasting and praying. Prayer, best weapon. And things are about to get harder. Jesus says in verse 36, take a money bag, take a knapsack. He's like, he's like take something with you because it's not going to be all love out there. But I want you to notice that when he says, take a, take a knapsack, take a money bag, he's still telling them to go. Did you put that together? Jesus is not like, oh, it's hostile, so stop ministering. It's hostile, so don't spread the gospel. It's hostile, so don't be open about your faith. Jesus does not say that. He says it will be hostile, and you still have to go. You still have to be open. You still have to be bold. You still have to let people know what team you're on. He says, go. And they did. And again, all you got to do is turn over to Acts chapter 2, Acts 2, Acts, sorry, Luke part 2, and you see, they're out there. And there's threats. They're mocked. Guys are thrown in prison. People, they go to jail. There is all, you, when you get to Acts, there is no doubt about the fact that there is hostility. Why? Because the gospel, truthfully, when you say it plainly, is offensive. When you say to people, there is a God over you who made you and has told you that there is a certain way to live in this culture, in that culture, people are like, What? You mean I'm not the king of the hill? And that if you don't actually repent, that you could spend eternity away from that God. That, that, that doesn't, like, it's not like, oh, warm and fuzzy. It's like, let me buy you a latte. There's legitimate hostility. But you know what? When you read Acts, and you should, do you know what you see going on? In the midst of all the hostility, God is still saving people. Lives are still being changed. Here's why. Because there's no amount of hostility that can stop the rescue plan of God when the people of God decide to walk in courageous and bold faith. That's what they, that's what they show. Again, these guys are like, they're the most, you know, they, rep, they do, they represent us well. In the middle, we got swords, let's kill somebody. And then later, they're like, there's a God who, can, who wants to rescue and save you. They, they show you both sides, and they go, and God works through that obedience. And through your courageous obedience, God will do the same thing. And so in the midst of the hostility, we still go. We still spread the truth. Here's the last reason. We love Jesus, is that Jesus is an example to us. 
Jesus is an example to us. In his darkest hour, I want you to know that Jesus is a shining light. And what he does is he shows us how to handle trials. He shows us how to handle trials. Look at verse 41. It says, And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw away and knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Jesus is getting ready to, to go on to the cross. He says, Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. In the time, a tough moment, the first thing that Jesus does is he responds with prayer. Dark time, dark moment, he responds with prayer and he leaves us an example to follow. When, when the flight of your life gets bumpy, where do you go? When the tough times come, when your bright days get dark, just think, what's your first reaction? Is it, is it what Jesus is doing? And honestly, for some of you, I believe it is. Again, try, always want to be balanced in preaching. Everybody's not falling off the wagon all the time. Some of you are responding the right way. But when tough times come, the first friend to call is God. When those dark days roll in, the first text message you send should go through the, to the throne of grace. Because God will respond. And, and here's the thing. When you talk to God, can, I'm saying this to myself. Can we just be honest with God? Is, is Jesus being all flowery here? Oh, no. He's like, <laughs> if you are willing, remove this cup from me. He's very clear about what he wants. He tells God exactly what he wants him to do. And the cup here is a reference to the judgment of God that is going to fall on him, pour down on him for our sins. And in his humanity, Jesus, this is crucial. In his humanity, Jesus is saying, if you can remove this, if there's another way to do it, then let's do that. He's honest. And it's a very important moment in his life and in and church history has helped us to understand it. Here's one of these, one of the, one, a good creed that says, our Lord Jesus Christ is perfect in deity and one and the same is perfect in humanity. The same one is true God and true man, compromising a rational soul and body. He is of the same essence of the father according to his deity and the same one of the essence with us, according to his humanity, like us in all things except sin. And Jesus, in, because he's like us, in his humanity, he was not looking forward to the pain. He, it, would have been, it would have been strange if he was. He's not looking forward to the pain. But here's the thing, he's committed to doing the divine will. And that's because the Father, the Son, and the Spirit are undivided in their plans and purposes. That's why in verse 42 says, he says, let me get to it. It says, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And what Jesus is doing is he is modeling healthy biblical prayer. 
where we are honest with God. Here, God, in this situation is what I want you to do. Here is what I'm asking for. And think about that. Are, are you like that in prayer? Because sometimes no lie in prayer, in my prayer life, I'm just beating around the bush. I'm repeating things I hear other people say. I'm taking a real long time, but I know what I want. And God is like, Marv, I love you. Get to the point. And maybe he's saying the same thing to you. He knows what you want. He knows what you need before you ask. And Jesus is honest and he's modeling for us. Be honest with God in prayer. Very clear. I'm asking you to do this thing on this day at this time and in this way. But the balance of it, though, is you then need to say, not my will, but yours be done. That is healthy biblical prayer. We are to take everything to God in prayer. But we, have to, we also are to come with a surrendered heart. God, you know what's best for me. God, I'm called according to your purposes. I heard uh, Pastor Ted and Hope Mississauga said this. He says, it's God's story, not yours. I'm called according to his purposes. And so, yes, I declare what I would like God to do. But I say, not my will, but yours be done. Jesus was not spared the trial, but he got strength to go through it. It says in verse 43, I'm going to read it again. I'm going to read from 41. It says, and he withdrew from, about, from them about a stone's throw away and knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if you're willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Watch this in verse 43. I love the Bible. And there appeared to him an angel from heaven, strengthening, strengthening him. Look, I don't know the name of this angel, but I'm grateful for this guy. Right? I say to you sometimes, there's people that I'm looking forward to meeting in heaven. Yeah. This, this angel... Let me shake your hand. You know why? He gave our king the strength to finish the course. To secure your hope. And can I say one other thing on this? You might not. You might not I'm telling you to be honest with God in prayer. And you need to be. But here's the thing. You might not get the answer you're looking for in the trial. But you will get the strength to endure the trial. Because God always answers. You will get the strength to endure the trial. I read, I read this in the book this week. It blessed me so much. I just, I'm just going to say it to you. It says, when we pray, heaven's resources will appear, will show up for life's emergencies. Okay, let me try it again. When we pray in the trial... Heaven's resources will show up for life's emergencies. God is not going... If he didn't leave Jesus in the trial, is he going to leave you in yours? Like we sing that song, How Deep the Father's Love for Us. And honestly, I don't think we realize it. And I'm telling you from my own life, how deep... Sometimes I am just... I'm, I'm not... I'm, just, I'm preaching to myself every week, just so you know. You just get to watch. We don't realize how deep God's love, and all we got to do is look at the scriptures. He got the strength. 
to go through. And so will you. Jesus says to his father, is there another way? And the father said, no. In the garden, Jesus denied himself so that through the cross, you could be accepted. You were not, you, me, we were not there that day with him in the garden. But Jesus had you in mind. Can you remove this cup? Not my will, but yours be done. So that those who are outside of the family of God could be brought in. Denied himself so that you could be accepted. And you know what this should make you say? You should know what this should make you think? My Jesus, how I love thee. I started with that. My Jesus, how I love thee. If ever I love thee, it is now. Stand with me. Mandy, you can come. I didn't know how I was going to finish the sermon, so I'm going to finish it like this. I want you to close your eyes, and I want you to say this. Just, just with me. My Jesus, come on. My Jesus, how I love thee. If ever I love thee, it is now. My Jesus, lift it up. Come on. How I love thee. If ever I love thee, it is now now. Father, we give you praise and glory for your son. Lord, who we love deeply because of his kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and grace towards us. Lord, it is a rocky road some days. It's a beautiful road some days. And in both, you are with us. In both, you are there for us. We see in the scriptures that our friend on high is making sure that our faith does not fail. We see, Lord God, in the scriptures that our friend on high has left us a beautiful example to follow. We see in the scriptures, Lord God, all that your son has done for us. We see in the scriptures why it says, though we have not seen him, we love him. Because he is so good, so good to us. My Jesus, how I love thee. If ever I love thee, it is now. Help us give us, help us give him the praise that he deserves now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. For more resources or information about Hope Church, visit hopetorontonorth.com.